Here we go. Here we go again. Initiating sequence. Welcome. You may have heard an atheist say at some point that they can't believe in God because there's just not enough evidence. Furthermore to that, they might say if they were God, they would have done things better. And all of these things I find really amusing because of something that I like to call the computer game analogy. And that is that you've got a computer programmer and he creates the games. Like if you play PS4, recently I got an Oculus and I've been playing that and the guy or the team, I should say, who create that, they are absolutely geniuses. And if you have a game like say a, a PS4 and you're walking around, say in a role-playing game, there'll be those NPCs, which are non-playable characters non-playable characters are simply limited by their programming within the game. Now let's consider that we take things one step further and that computer programming team actually are able to give free will to the NPC characters so that they can freely choose to do whatever it is they want to do. No longer bound to their strict programming, they're able to choose to do what ever they want of course within the boundaries of the game so they are stuck within the game the world of the game the settings within the game but instead of having to recite a script to the travelers who walk past they can simply ignore travelers perhaps they could become friends with them perhaps they could commit suicide or attack them they would just have an infinite amount of options of what they'd like to do and they'd be able to do it freely so that sounds like an amazing concept for a game and if anyone developed it it would be highly amusing to enter that world and immerse yourself in that sort of process however it's not all about the enjoyment of the game this is an analogy about belief in god because let's say just for one moment that you have this character they have complete free will they're sitting there thinking to themselves, wow, today is a great day. I've got free will. I can do whatever I want. And then on deeper introspection, they would probably come up with similar questions to what we ask ourselves. Like, am I created? Did I just pop out of nothing and become here? And these questions would drive them to search deeper and deeper. And in order to find the answers, they would look around them and they would try to make the best sense of the world around them. So while they're searching for meaning in life, searching for who their creator is, they look around them and realize that they're actually limited by the boundaries within the game. And after searching for some time, some of these NPCs may be incredibly frustrated and just yell out and say, if there is a creator, I demand that he writes his name right in front of me so that I can see him, that he reveals himself to me right now. I demand it right now. However, the computer programmers, they're the ones who are in charge. The NPCs are simply characters within the game. So they're messing up the order about who actually 
is the one that takes the lead and who follows. Further to this, the computer programmers feel like they should reveal something to these NPCs. So they provide access to a learning center, maybe a book, maybe a terminal, whatever it is. And it has information about the earliest stages of creation. And as they're reading that they've been created and what their ancestors went through to get them there, they start to realize that that story is actually in harmony with what is around them within the game. And that is the game setting has strict laws built into it. And that within the game, there are certain rules, things that you can do up to a point, even though you have free will. And there's things that you just not able to cross paths because the fact is they are determined by rules in some respects, but they're able to freely choose within their abilities within the game. Now let's just take it one last step further and say that all of the people with free will, just like us humans, they choose to do what's wrong and they continue to do what's wrong all the time. And subsequently, it's messy. Everything they do is making a bigger and bigger mess. The people who choose to help others is diminishing and those who choose to hurt others is increasing. And even those who still love others still hurt others at times regardless of what they do. The computer programmer looks on and sees all the disorder and realizes that something has to change. You see, by nature, this computer programmer is absolutely perfect and loves all of these NPCs. But every single one of them continues to make mistakes. And this is hurting other NPCs. It's creating more chaos within the world and it just compounds the problem further and further. As I said, the computer programmer is an interesting fellow because he's actually perfect and full of love. So by being perfect, he understands the two primary rules and that of love and that of justice. The programmer, he sees all the suffering that's happening within the game and is not deaf to all the cries asking for justice, asking for relief. So what is he going to do? He could simply snap his fingers and suddenly everything's better. But there's been so much damage done already. There has to be a degree of justice. He could just wipe everyone out and start all over again. But there's so much love within the computer programmer that that would just be against his nature. So he devises a scheme, a plan where he can fix everything. He programs his consciousness and comes into the game as an NPC with free will of himself. And that is that he has two natures. He still is the computer programmer in that he has the divine abilities within the computer programming, but he's also bound by the same laws of the characters within the game. He goes ahead and teaches them all the truths all about love and all how they should live. And then at the end, he allows himself 
to be killed violently by the NPCs, by an innocent taking the punishment and the innocent person being the creator. We have the ultimate scapegoat in that justice is divinely done and suddenly there is the mandate of being able to love and having justice in saving all of the NPCs. So now if one of the NPCs dies within the game, he is able to be brought into the computer programmer's presence because all of the bad things have been washed away because the computer programmer took away all of the punishment onto himself so that now the NPC can sit in full love within the perfect computer programmer. Okay, so our analogy ends there. And I think you can pick up on what I'm talking about. Essentially, the analogy is about the humans and the creator that we have in God. Free will, as discussed last episode, helps us to freely love and give that great amount of good, but it also opens a door to do an insane amount of evil. Having been created, like the NPCs, we search around in our worlds, trying to find what our meaning is, who our creator is. And there are two primary modes of revelation. Like the NPCs who had the library or computer terminals, that is the people who have special revelation. Or in this world, we have the Bible. And that is based on God's revelation in his word or scriptures. And if you need more information on this, I'll be doing an entire episode on the Bible in up and coming podcasts. And then we also have natural revelation where God reveals evidence of himself through nature, providence, and human consciousness. And it's also called general revelation. And just like the NPCs, we should be able to find that this natural revelation and special revelation actually match each other quite wonderfully. We met the atheist NPCs who scream at the sky and demand evidence that they need to have this amount of evidence. They have to have writing right in front of their face saying that God exists. But they're forgetting the order. Just like the computer programmer is not subject to the NPC, we are not the boss of God. So we cannot just assert our wants and demand that they're met. And if you think about it, the NPC would be really foolish to do this. So what would the human be if he did the same? And finally, we gave the analogy of Jesus coming to this earth to die for our sins so that both justice and love could take place. So if anybody ever tells you that people are going to go to heaven because they're good, they are severely mistaken because all of us, as in every single one of us, have done some wrong at some point in our lives. And we're not appropriate to be in a perfect place because we're probably just going to ruin it unless if we can be forgiven for all of the bad things and then enter into order and be so surrounded by love that we wouldn't even think about doing bad things ever again. 
My other favourite analogy about this is the one of the robber who smashes through a store window and steals some items. The police chase him down and he has his day in court. When the judge looks up and he sees who's in front of him, he realises that the person who robbed the store is actually the judge's son. And he's torn because he has two motives. As a father, he is all loving. And as a judge, he knows justice must be done. So he regains composure and he says, look, you have to go to jail for this. And the son begs and says, please, dad, don't send me to jail. I'm too weak. I won't survive. So he says, well, there is one other ruling. You can actually pay your way out of this through a massive fine. And then the son says, I'm broke. I can't actually afford to do that. And so the judge stands up, takes off his wig, walks up to the son, reaches into his pocket and hands him a check for the exact amount of money required to get off. Wow. This demonstrates both exact love and exact justice working at the same time and is a glimpse into the reasoning of why the creator would actually step into our world to do all the things he's done for us. And if this is to be true, then it should honestly change everything in your life, which introduces a strange dichotomy in that God asks for two things. First of all, he asks for absolutely nothing. God doesn't want your wealth, your talents, or the physical things that you can give to him. And number two, all he's interested is your heart. But that is your everything, because once your heart changes and you fall in love with God and realize all that he's done for us and how much he loves us, suddenly you can't do anything else but reciprocate love. And it's an amazing experience. Now, of course, all of this is predicated on the condition in that, is this true? We have this divine story which is so perfect that it just draws a lot of people towards the truth. But for others, we have to make sure that there is that intellectual side which completely accepts it. So it's not just buying into an emotion or story. And that's what the rest of this podcast series will focus on. If the Bible is actually true, if archaeology actually supports what's within the Bible, if belief in God can be validated by arguments from philosophy, whether we have extra-biblical texts which actually confirm the Bible or not. So join me as we look at all sorts of topics, from history to philosophy and beyond, to try and verify whether the Christian faith is actually true or if something else is true instead. And we'll look into those topics as well in future podcasts.